It goes without saying that the legal profession has benefited from the energy and work and commitment of so many women lawyers, some of whom are even household names. But historically, some parts of the profession have been underrepresented by women, including intellectual property law. Jones Day's Women in IP Law Initiative addresses that imbalance with programming, networking, mentoring, and a very popular speaker series. We have Jones Day IP lawyers Meredith Wilkes, Tracy Stitt, and Anthony and Sonia here to tell us more. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to Jones Day Talks Intellectual Property. Jones Day partners Meredith Wilkes and Tracy Stitt co-chair the firm's Women in IP Initiative. Also here is Anthony and Sonia, who leads Jones Day's global intellectual property practice. Thank you all for joining us. Let's go to Anthony first. Anthony, while there's little doubt that women have made tremendous inroads to many areas of law over the last couple of decades, there are a couple of places where you could argue that maybe progress has lagged. In particular, IP law has traditionally been dominated by men. Why is that the case, in your opinion? That's an interesting question. You know, I think there's probably lots of different theories. And one, I guess, in my own personal career that I have experienced is I think a lot of folks in IP law started in science. Mm-hmm. And if you go back in the you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s, I think there were a larger number of men involved in science and that kind of migrated into IP. I think the more important question related to that is, you know, what what can we do about it or what are we doing about it? And I think there's lots of things that the firm and the legal profession can do to increase women's visibility in IP and also make it known that there's a really fertile ground for a career for, for women in IP, and we're trying really hard to do that. We'll talk more about that in a second. Are you seeing signs that this trend is starting to reverse a little bit? Well, the stats are interesting because the number of women and men in law school is about equal. And in some stats I've seen, I think there are actually even more women in law school. But we're not seeing right now an increase in in the number of women joining various IP practices. You know, that said, we've always had, at Jones Day at least, a real great tradition of having strong women lawyers in the practice, and we're working really hard to continue to increase that trend and and not have it die. Well, over to Meredith for a minute, and we'll pick up on that point with her. You know, Meredith, it's funny. This is our, what, third or fourth podcast you and I have done? That's right. Yeah, this is our third one. Third, Third one. Okay. And a recurrent theme every time you and I talk is that IP law is always evolving, always changing. It's moving quickly. I guess one area where it hasn't perhaps moved quickly enough is bringing more women into this area of the law. Now, fortunately, you know, Jones Day has always been progressive in terms of recruiting, retaining, and promoting lawyers from these underrepresented backgrounds. So maybe it comes as no surprise that the firm has launched its Women in IP initiative. Can you give us some background on Women in IP, when it started, how it works, and what participants in the initiative do? Oh, I would love to, Dave. Thanks for that question. Our Women in IP initiative started about two and a half years ago at the partners meeting. And I had originally sent out an invitation to some of our women colleagues and said, why don't we get together for lunch at the partners meeting? And and folks who attend can appreciate that schedules are really, really hectic and you're trying to get a lot done in a very short period of time. Sure. And so I didn't expect a, a huge amount of people to be able to make time. And I was delighted when we were sitting down to our lunch to find out that they didn't give us a big enough table wow. for our gathering. And 
Tracy will remember this. We had to pull another table to add on, and then we had to pull another table to add on. And I was sitting at this table looking at this amazing group of women from our offices all over the globe and from all of our different sub-practices, patent prosecutors, patent litigators, brand lawyers, tech trans lawyers. And I said to myself, this is such a phenomenal talented group of people. This is such a great story to tell. We have to start telling the story. We have to tell this story to our clients and to the rest of the law firm and raise the profile and the recognition of this amazing talent base that we have within IP. And that's where it started. And in true Jones Day fashion, after that, we assembled a really great team of lawyers from different areas of our, our practice and from different offices and decided to move forward with the initiative. Well, it sounds like it's been well-received already. Talk about your typical women in IP participant. Is she a relatively young lawyer, mid-career? Does she have a science or engineering background like Anthony alluded to earlier prior to developing an interest in IP law? Talk about who shows up. So the participants in our program really hit across all of what I would consider to be our constituencies. So of course, within Jones Day and within the practice, we've got partners, counsel of counsel, and associates from a vast variety of backgrounds, scientific and non-scientific. I'm a journalism major. I have no scientific background whatsoever and passionate about intellectual property law. Anthony, I'm getting a sense this is an initiative that's very, very important to the firm. I'm sure you concur, but explain why. It is very important to the firm. And, you know, it's also important to me personally. So maybe I'll start with that uh, personal note. You know, when I was a young lawyer, uh, I went to law school in the evening and uh, worked full-time in the day. I was mentored by three very talented women that had a tremendous impact on my career. So when you reflect on the fact that there are less women in IP now, perhaps, than there was when I was coming up, that that just didn't make sense to me. And I, I thought there was a tremendous loss of talent for our firm and other firms and also for clients. So there's a personal issue that's important to me there. And for the firm, it's also very significant. You know, we want to make sure that we give opportunities to everyone to excel. And our culture really focuses us on putting the best lawyer on the matter. In many instances, you can't really put the best talent on the field if you don't have everyone joining IP that really should be involved in it and, and is talented. So it's really important to us to, to make sure that we help encourage and, and mentor women in the profession. Well, you hit on something earlier. You, know, you said suddenly you know, we're losing a lot of talent. If, you know, by definition, maybe 60% of lawyers coming out of law school just kind of count themselves out of IP, that's not a good thing. So this kind of initiative is certainly, certainly welcome and very timely. Let's go over to Tracy Stitt for a second. Tracy, talk about some of the specific objectives the initiative hopes to achieve. Absolutely. Building on what Meredith said earlier, we started this initiative because we sat down in a room and we took up most of the room and we looked around and said, you know, hey, Jones Day has a lot of impressive women in their IP practice, you know, across the board doing all types of work and that not just doing the work, but doing it well and being a leader in the field. And we wanted to showcase that talent. Uh, so one of the objectives of the Women in IP initiative is to do just that, to showcase our talent and our accomplishments in the IP field and to build a network of women in the community, in the IP space, because it's, it's an area, as we've talked about, where historically women have been underrepresented. Mm -hmm. And another specific objective is to, to grow our talent and to continue to build 
the base of women that we have in our group. And we do that by educating and mentoring our young female lawyers and recruiting more women into our practice. As a young woman in the IP practice at Jones Day and coming up with my entire career at this firm, one of the things that really helped me was having good women mentors and having someone who could guide me along the way and help teach me IP law and just basically how to be a lawyer at a firm and how to succeed. So that's one of the main objectives of this Women in IP initiative, along with just getting the word out about the talent that we have here. Talk about mentoring for a second. Is that a formal process here at Jones Day, or does that happen organically? You find someone in the practice that you engage well with, and she becomes your mentor. How, how does that come about? A little bit of both, and I think that's the best way to do it. Formal mentoring is great, and we do have that in place so that we have formal training and make sure that our associates learn the skills that they need to be a good IP lawyer. But it's almost better when it comes organically and, and when you, you align yourself with a mentor and as a partner with an associate and help them along their career the entire way and you build a relationship. I think that's one of the best ways to mentor young associates. Rewarding too for everyone. Yes. Tracy, you're very involved in the speaker series for Women in IP. Talk about those events. Who attends? Who speaks? What kinds of topics are covered? Sure. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about because uh, I've spent a lot of time with Meredith working on this, the programs that we put together for the Women in IP Speaker Series. What it is, is it's a quarterly series of programs that are presented by Jones State Women. And we host the programs live in one of our U.S. offices, which we rotate to different cities and we also offer them via webinar so that clients and, and others who are interested in attending but may not be in the particular city that we're hosting that program, uh, you can also attend via the webinar. We invite uh, clients, judges, uh, other members of the legal community to participate, and we usually give CLE credit. Our goal is to provide value to women IP professionals through the substance of the presentations as well as the opportunity to network and meet with women who have ties to the IP practice. If we're holding a live program, we'll usually have some sort of reception afterwards, a little networking event to build on what we've just spoken about. And it's not just for women. Uh, the substantive uh -huh. presentations are geared to anyone interested in IP law. What we've done so far is we've offered four programs in four areas. We do a brand program, which is a substantive update on trademark law and more on the brand protection side of things. Okay. Uh, we also do a patent program, which is an update on patent law. And then we do two programs that are sort of, uh, one's a litigation type program and another is a leadership program. And these are ones that we have a lot of fun with. And what I mean by that is we've gotten some really, really interesting guest panelists to participate in these programs, including some judges and other women leaders in the field. And it's really a great experience to have them stand up and talk about their experiences in IP law and how they started out and how they got to where they are and provide some real practical advice to other women in the field who are looking to succeed. Tremendous opportunity for everybody. And also, as someone who's been involved in planning events like this, a lot of heavy lifting out front. So kudos. I, I know how difficult that can be. Back to Meredith for a second. What kind of feedback are you getting on the Women in IP initiative from within the firm, but also from clients? Well, Dave, earlier we talked about um, how our Women in IP program really touches a lot of different of uh, our constituencies, folks within the firm, clients, the community, law schools. And so from each of those constituencies, I think we're getting really great feedback. The, the practice support, of course, has been tremendous from our leadership, of course, with Anthony and, 
and throughout at all levels. The associates really seem to be engaged in this, appreciate it, and are very active in helping us do the CLE programs that Tracy was talking about and and participate overall in making sure that this initiative is a success. We're also hearing great things from our clients about the substance of the programs that we're delivering and the initiative as a whole. And it's also having an impact in the community as well. We have gotten really great feedback from law schools, deans of law schools, as well as members of the judiciary. Tracy mentioned that we've been very fortunate to have sitting judges on a couple of our panels, and they have been very, very complimentary of what it is that the Women in IP group is trying to do and what we are doing with our programming. Great work and great use of the firm's brand, if I can say that. It sounds like it's been just an exceptional effort so far. Let's step back for a second. I'm going to ask both Tracy and Meredith this question. Tracy, you get to go first because you're the newbie. What attracted you to IP law in the first place? Well, it's funny. I think I'm one of the rare people who had her career path mapped out by middle school. For me, it started uh, with a love of science. And I know we've talked about how a lot of people in this field start with science backgrounds. I was one of them. I loved labs. I loved everything about biology and learning all about everything related to that. But one thing that I didn't like uh, was blood. And uh, so therefore, I knew that (laughs) Being a doctor was not in uh, the yeah. cards. It was yeah, not in the cards for that, me. That's uh, usually the entry fee. You got to have a strong stomach, at least for yeah, things like that. So I was, yeah. So I knew I was going to go to undergrad for pre med. I took all the classes, loved every minute of it. But uh, when my classmates went off to take the MCAT, I went to take the LSAT because I knew I wanted to go a different direction with my love of science. And that's how I ended up here in IP law. And the rest, I guess, is history. Well, that's medicine's loss, our gain. So we're glad you're here. Meredith, same question. How does a journalism major end up as an IP lawyer? That's a really good question. There are some days I I sit down. (laughs) We don't need a whole show for that, but we've only got a couple minutes. (laughs) And I scratch my head and ask myself the same thing. Like Tracy, I think that my career path was set in stone when I was young, not because I am a scientist, but because I'm a second generation lawyer. And let me tell you that when you're a second generation lawyer, you learn by the time you're about 10 or 11 years old, the art of cross-examination, because you've lied so many times to your parents about like cleaning your room that um, you learn very early on how to be a skilled examiner. And so I wanted to take those great examination skills off and do something productive with them. But I, I had a really good sense that I wanted to be a lawyer. And I had a really good sense that I wanted to be in a courtroom. But after that, I really didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted to do. And you heard both Anthony and Tracy talk about the power of positive mentoring. And I think that I'm a poster child for that. Mm -hmm. I really thought 20 years ago that I was going to try sexual harassment cases and defend employers. I thought that would be a quick way to get into a courtroom and, and try the high profile cases. And lo and behold, I ended up doing a project for an IP lawyer. And at that point in time in my career, literally did not know the difference between a trademark and a birthmark. Oh. And he was just one of the greatest human beings on the face of the planet. I thought he was such a tremendous lawyer. He had such an impact on me that I decided I wanted to do whatever it was that he was going to do. And that's when I decided that I was going to be an IP lawyer. Back to mentoring. Right person, right time can make all the difference, I guess. Let's go back to Anthony for a second. Talk about some of the roles women in Jones Day's IP practice have played in recent client matters. I mean, 
to the degree that you can, of course. But does anything stick out in terms of uh, what's happened recently? Absolutely. Just thinking about current cases, I guess I would put it this way. We have, you know, following up on, on medicine, for example, from, from Tracy's comment, I mean, we have several women lawyers that are right now leading the patent strategies for what I'm sure will be tomorrow's, you know, breakthrough treatments of numbers of diseases. We have a really strong group of PhD women lawyers that do that on a regular basis for some of the world's largest companies as well as innovator startups. We have lawyers in the San Francisco Bay Area that are leading major cross-border M&A transactions and collaborations on all kinds of technology outside life sciences with respect to the internet and blockchain and artificial intelligence. We have uh, international arbitration going on now between two pharmaceutical companies, one in the U.S. and one in France, where one of our partners is leading the team. She's the first chair trial lawyer on it, and we have several talented associates behind her that are also going to be examining witnesses. So, you know, it goes on and on. Brand lawyers, as Meredith was saying, leading trademark cases. So women are involved in all aspects of our IP practice, and we are, you know, handling really interesting things across the globe on all potential aspects of IP that you can possibly touch upon, and, and women have leading roles in all those matters, I'm very proud to say. Well, that's heartening. At Jones Day, at least, it sounds like the impact of women lawyers in IP far outruns maybe just the numbers, even if the numbers aren't quite on par with the guys their impact and the matters they're working on are certainly impressive. So, question for Tracy and Meredith. Let's say you've got a young woman lawyer, and she's brilliant. She went to, I don't know, Fordham or Creighton or Georgetown, say. You guys didn't see what I did there? Those are your laws? Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say Georgetown. No, no one's laughing. School. Anyway, I tried. I tried, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this young woman lawyer comes to you right out of law school, and she's considering a career in IP law. What do you tell her? Tracy first. Sure. I have actually had the pleasure of having this exact conversation with many young lawyers recently. So it's something that it's really important to me when people come ask this type of question, because I think what you need to tell them is IP law is not one size fits all. And that's I feel like a lot of people think that it is you have to be pigeonholed into having a technical background. And as we've learned, you know, Meredith, being a journalism major, you don't. And right. I feel a lot of people who don't have a science background or maybe don't love science as much as I did, have the misconception that that means you have to write off a career in IP law. And we all know there's so many different ways you can take it and so many different things you can do in the field that you don't have to have a technical background. If you do, great. I mean, there's plenty of things you can do with a technical background as well. What I like about IP law is it allows you to kind of get a specialty in a particular area and market your skills in that area. And you can really focus on a particular type of IP law and, and become an expert in it. And you get to learn a lot about interesting products along the way. I mean, my days can be filled with lip balm, vacuum cleaners, and, and spinal implants. So it's, it's never dull. A lot of flexibility, and maybe the path isn't as narrow as some people might have believed. That's encouraging too. Mary, the same question. What do you tell an up-and-coming woman lawyer just out of school thinking about IP? What do you tell her? I would give her the, the same advice that was given to me. And so 25 years ago, um, I was graduating from college. 
and I was five, by the way. Um, and uh, um, a, a friend of, of the family was a, a very prominent California land use lawyer, and he sent me a graduation card, and in it was some cash, which of course was was very much enjoyed. But That's important. And in, in, in the card, he said, um, he said, law school. Are you sure about that? You should probably just go on Oprah and tell the world that you had an affair with the Pope because that's a much easier way to make money. And look at how tired your father looks. <laughs> I say that in jest. And really what I would tell anyone and do tell people like Tracy, I have the privilege of being able to talk to folks about this all the time. And what I tell them is this. Ours is a profession, right? It's not something that you leave on the shelf at the end of the day. So you have to be passionate about it if you're going to do well. And just as Tracy alluded to, there is so much that you can do in IP. And there is such limitless opportunity that the sky is the limit. And if that makes you excited, then IP is the right place for you because it is literally a practice where one day you can be working on furry boots and the next day you can be working on automotive aftermarket parts and everything in between. And that's our practice. And so that's what I would tell a young recruit, that if you want the sky's the limit in terms of a practice, the IP is definitely the space for you. Very encouraging. Go ahead, Anthony, please. Sorry, I just wanted to add in there. I mean, I think that's really critically important to make sure that that message is out there because to the extent that the you know limited number of women that are entering the practice is due to some sort of perception that the sky's not the limit if you go into IP. That's just not true in our firm for sure. And I and I think it's probably not true across the practice. So I think it's important to tell these young, talented women that there are no limitations and there's endless possibilities. And as Tracy said, and I guess I come from the same camp, if you really like science but uh you know you're not the best with blood, then this is the probably the best place for you. <laughs> All right. One final question, Meredith. Talk about some of the upcoming events. What's happening for the rest of 2018? And if you know, early 2019 for Women in IP. For rounding out 2018, we've got two really fantastic programs. One in October in our Dallas office, a Women in the Courtroom program, which we've done this program now twice before in Silicon Valley and in Pittsburgh. And this one promises to be every bit as fantastic. And that will be coming on October the 4th in our Dallas office, and that will be the live event. But as Tracy mentioned earlier, in our podcast, we also broadcast this out over the internet and on the web. So clients can, if they can't make it to the Dallas office, can dial in and still benefit from the program. We'll also be broadcasting it throughout each of our Jones Day offices where we have local office watch parties. And so folks can um, show up in a conference room and get to see the event live from the conference room as well. And that will be in Dallas in October. And then in Pittsburgh, we're going to do round two of our Women in the Courtroom program, and that will be on December the 6th in our Pittsburgh office. We are planners, Tracy and I, so we've already got our ideas ready to go for our program lineup for 2019. And so what you can expect to see from our Women in IP program, at least for our speaker series, includes something that we haven't seen anybody else do before in terms of a Women in the Courtroom program, which we'll look at the bench from the appellate level, as opposed to our women in the courtroom programs that have focused solely on the trial court level. So we're going to be delivering an appellate program for women in the courtroom. We're going to do a really great leadership program on spanning the generational divide and talk about baby boomers and Gen Xers and millennials. And then we're going to do a brand program. And then 
we are going to join with one of our other practice groups and do a combination patent and trade secret litigation program. So that's what we have in store for 2019. And we're very excited for that, for the balance of our programs this year and for our 2019 lineup. Well, you should be excited. That's a lot coming and a lot of great work. And congratulations on the initiative, the successes so far, the planning for next year. You guys are doing great, great work. Will you come back and talk more about this towards the end of the year? You can talk about how some of the programs have gone or anything else that's coming up with the initiative. We'd love to have you back if you'd be willing to come back for us. We would love to. Absolutely. We'll make it happen. All righty. Hey, Anthony, Tracy, Meredith, thank you so much. This has been very informative, very enlightening, and and very encouraging. Like I said, great, great work on on the part of this initiative. To learn more about Jones Day's intellectual property practice, visit jonesday.com. You can subscribe to Jones Day Talks on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please rate us and leave a review. I'm Dave Dalton. You've been listening to Jones Day Talks Intellectual Property. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.